Does truth exist? Because you have faith, does that make this book true? Does God exist? So when someone says there is no truth, if you apply the claim to itself, what should you say? Is that true? They don't think Christianity is true. They're talked out of it. You know why they're talked out of it? Because they've never been talked into it. Cross-examining skeptical and atheistic views. Welcome to Cross-Examine with Dr. Frank Turek. What do you say to your kid? Or what do you say to your friend who claims to be trans? What do you say to your boss who wants you to go to diversity training? You're not quite comfortable with that. What are five flaws in transgender ideology? We're gonna cover that here in this program today. I'm reminded of something the great atheist Friedrich Nietzsche said. He said, a man's spirit is determined by how much truth he can tolerate. A person, a person's spirit, we'll just make it, we'll make it uh, gender neutral here. A person's spirit is determined by how much truth that person can tolerate. How much truth can you tolerate? I think, I think a lot of times we want to suppress the truth because we don't want to hear any flaws we might have or we don't want anybody interfering with our autonomy. We want to believe what we want to believe. And that seems to be going on in our culture right now. People don't want the truth. They want to suppress the truth. I had an interaction last year at Louisiana State University with a young girl that claimed to be a biologist. This video, which is now on our YouTube channel, has over one million views. It's about six minutes long. And to give you the mindset of what some people, a, a, a significant number of people think on a college campus today, let me introduce you to a young woman named Grace. And as you listen to this video, Listen to how many times I said something in response to her and she ignored it and went on to the next point. Here we go. What do you have to say for people who don't fit in your definition of man or woman? I'm a biologist. Mm -hmm. I understand the biology. Are you saying that a woman is only a person who has two X chromosomes and a man who is someone who only has an X and a Y chromosome? I think that's the scientific definition, yes. It's actually not, because there can be people with XXY, there can be Y chromosome inactivation. Mm -hmm. The way that this biology works mm -hmm. is that you have genes. Those mm -hmm. genes make proteins. Those proteins develop the traits that you define as men and women. They develop the features that you define as male. They develop the genitalia. Mm -hmm. But you can be a woman with female genitalia and be XY. You can be a man, but you could... You can have XX chromosomes. Yeah, I understand what you're talking about, Grace. You're talking about a very rare condition known as intersexed. One right? in 100 people experience chromosomal differences in sex. Okay, but not one in 100 have different genitalia or ambiguous genitalia. And what do you say to those people? Well, what you say is that's a situation that is not the norm. We're not saying that they're not people, obviously. As I understand it, maybe you know more about it than me. Uh, when you do have a truly intersexed person, at, at that point, either the parents or when they're old enough, they can decide which way they're going to orient themselves and they can get the appropriate surgery. 
But that's not what we're experiencing so you're in our culture. It's okay for people to decide their gender. In that situation, but that's not what we're talking about in our culture. What we're talking about in our culture are people with perfectly normal functioning sexual organs trying to have them removed and trying to transition to another gender, which is impossible scientifically. Have you ever doubted that you're a man? Mm -hmm. You've doubted that you... Oh, have I ever doubted I'm a man? No, I have never doubted Then I'm what a do man. you say to a transgender person who has never doubted their gender? You're saying that we all change and that obviously transgenderism is a product of some kind of phase, but you've never doubted that you're a man. So no, where's, I'm, your, look, where's your development of this change? Grace, I'm not denying there are people truly with gender dysphoria. I've already said that. What I'm saying is, is the way out of that problem is not surgery according to the data. Okay? Psychiatry is the way out of that problem. I also don't agree with your statement that after surgery, you implied that transgender people are more likely to commit suicide after surgery. But the statistics say that transgender people are more likely to commit suicide because of people like, because of arguments that you make that they're invalid. No, I'm and not I'm saying not they're saying, invalid. I'm just saying that you implied that it's the surgery that's causing suicide No, it's rates. not. Uh, what I'm, I'm saying, saying is the surgery doesn't fix anything. That's the point. The same, it's practically the same rate, whether they have the surgery or not. If you woke up and grew breasts today, would you would like them to be removed? There are many. Say that again. Have you ever heard of gynecomastia? I had it. And if, okay, so did you have that fixed? Yes, I did. And did that make you feel affirmed in your gender and comfortable no, in your body? No, when I was in the Navy, nobody knows this, by the way. Jesus. <laughs> now I'm revealing my, I need a HIPAA form to sign here or something. You don't have to talk no, about it. No, what, like what I'm saying is, yes, I've had that myself and, and, and had it surgically removed when I was in the Navy. Yeah. And do you feel more comfortable in your body and more affirmed in your gender because of that? Well, it wasn't a gender thing for me. It was the fact, well, I can't even get into it now because it had nothing to do with my gender, okay? So it, 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 it had to do with a, it had to do with the fact that it looked really odd. <laughs> Let me just put it that way, okay? But Grace, my point is, is if we truly care about people, are we going to try and force them down a road, particularly as children, into a solution to a problem which is proven not to be a solution. You just said that having that surgery made you feel better about yourself. No, that has nothing to do with transgender I surgery. Think, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't changing my sex. I was having breast tissue removed. Okay? I, I was always a man. Mm -hmm. Okay? So... And say that I have XY chromosomes, but I'm born with female genitalia and female body types, but I believe I'm a man. Should I not be allowed to have that breast tissue removed? As an adult, you can do whatever you want. Yes, that's my, fine. My problem is with the children. That's, that's, where, that's where I'm having a real problem. Is there a I, magic button at 18 that instantly makes you feel like you know who you are and absolutely what your gender is I don't no well i think for women it's probably like 15 for men it's 37 <laughs> to be honest with you okay because men don't develop as quickly as women all right but no no we've just chosen 18 kind of as the the adulthood crossing point although for some issues it's 21 like drinking okay so no maybe it's later than 18 okay my big problem, and I would say this is somebody who's 37, that 
the surgery does not appear to help anyone. And if you want more data on this, you can go to sexchangeregret.com. Sexchangeregret.com. But I wouldn't even be talking about this issue unless I thought the current way the culture is going is hurting people. And it is. Why, why would I bring all this abuse on myself? I'd just like to say that I disagree. Okay. Thank you for talking Thank you. To me. Thank you, Grace. That was at Louisiana State University about a year ago, and I had done a presentation on why following your heart is usually not good advice. And she got up to the microphone. Her name was Grace, as you could see, and tried to push back on what I had said. Now, if you noticed, every time I tried to make a point, whether it was a good point or not, she just avoided it and tried to move on to the next objection, which I find this to be something that happens uh, whenever you're talking to someone who doesn't really want to believe your side of the story or doesn't want to believe what you are saying. They keep ignoring what you're saying and they move on to the next objection because a person's spirit is determined by how much truth that person can tolerate, as Nietzsche said. Of course, Paul said in Romans chapter 1 that we often suppress the truth to go our own way. We want to do something, and it doesn't matter if the facts are pointing in the other direction. We're going to suppress the truth because we want to go our own way. Now, how can we respond to this in a little bit more detail? We're going to do so right after the break. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with me, Frank Turek, on the American Family Radio Network. Our website is crossexamine.org. That's cross-examined with a D on the end of it. We will see you back here in two minutes. Don't go anywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm holding in my hand the brand new edition, the third edition of Correct Not Politically Correct about same-sex marriage and transgenderism earlier this year. I thought it was necessary to update a book I wrote back in 2008 and then updated it again in 2017. And so in 2023, with the rise of transgenderism, I said we need to update the book further. And it just came out uh, this week, May 16th. The book is called Correct Not Politically Correct about same-sex marriage and transgenderism. And uh, this book doesn't quote Bible verses. This is not the case from the Bible against, say, same-sex marriage or transgenderism. It is the case from natural law, from science, from the medical evidence, from common sense that says transgenderism is not good for individuals and it's not good for a society. The same thing is true with same-sex marriage. So the facts are here in this new edition, the expanded third edition, and there's a section in there where I talk about the five flaws of transgender ideology. Let me just go through them very quickly here. There are probably more than this, but I, I just want to lay this out because, look, when I'm talking to somebody on a college campus, I know this may seem counterintuitive to you, but my, my um, objective is not to try and make the other person look bad. I'm not trying to own the other person. I'm trying to genuinely understand where the person's coming from, and if I disagree with what the person's saying, I just want to provide some evidence back that they can con consider whether they agree or not. My job is to provide evidence back. 
And look, if I'm wrong, I'd, I'd, I'd like to know that. Maybe maybe there's they have a point I hadn't heard of. Okay, I'm, I'm happy to change my view if, if it's wrong. But what I want to do is provide evidence back. I want to be kind to them. I, 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 I want to thank them for their position. And I want other people around to who are watching to go, okay, at, at, at least he provided what he thinks is the truth. So when in that previous video you heard in the, it's a, it's a video, but we heard the audio, uh, you can go to our YouTube channel, by the way, the Cross-Examine YouTube channel to see that in about 1,700 other videos. Many of them are Q&A from the college campus. Anyway, I, I, I could have handled that whole situation differently. I could have stopped and said, hey, Grace, you didn't answer what I just said. All right. I could have tried to pin her down. That wasn't my goal. My goal was to provide her an answer to her objections. But if you're having a conversation with someone and they say something and you respond and they ignore it and move on to the next objection, you probably want to stop and say, hey, could we just stay on this issue? When I'm before a big audience and there's people in line for q and I, I don't have the luxury of doing that all the time. I don't want the Q&A to go on for 15 minutes with one person. I want to get to as many questions as I can. If the person ignores my point and they bring up another point, I'll try and answer that as well. But I could have said, wait a minute, Grace. Number one, here's one flaw in your ideology, and here are five of them. The design of the body proves there are only two genders. And as I say, I unpack this in detail in the, in the new third edition of Correct, Not Politically Correct. Why does it prove, the design of the body prove that there's only two genders? Because as a human being, and this is true of the entire mammalian world, you can either produce either a sperm or an egg. There's no third category. That's it. If you can't produce either, that's not a third uh, capacity. That's an incapacity. So the design of the body proves there's only two genders. You can either produce a sperm or an egg. And the only thing that a man and a woman can't do alone is to reproduce. And so God has designed our bodies in such a way. And if you don't believe in God, you could say nature, <laughs> fine. But the designer designed the body to either produce a sperm or an egg. There's, no, there's not a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh kind of capacity. Those are the only two capacities. And yet, transgenderism is trying to say there's an infinite number of genders. They're trying to say that, yeah, you can, whatever you think you can be. But from a biological perspective, there's only two. Second, the second flaw in transgender ideology is although transgenderism will try and say the genders are not fixed, transgenderism must presuppose fixed genders. Why? Because if I'm a man and I think I'm a woman, I have to have some idea what a man is and some idea, and some idea of what a woman is to know that I have a mismatch between my psychology and my biology. If the genders weren't fixed, I couldn't know that I had this mismatch. There's got to be some fixed points in order for us to say, look, I'm physically I'm a man, but I really think I'm a woman. You'd have to know what a man is and what a woman is in order to even know that you have gender dysphoria. And also, there has to be fixed genders if you're trying to make the so-called transition. 
If I'm a man and I want to be a woman, I have to know what a man is and what a woman is to try and make the so-called transition, which of course is impossible, but people try it anyway, which leads me to the third flaw in transgender ideology. And that is, they say you can change your sex. No, the truth is, you can change your mind, but not your biology. You, you can't change your chromosomal makeup, your gene makeup. You can't change all 100 trillion of your cells. You can change your mind, but you can't change your biology. And one of the problems, it seems, or one of the differences between people on the left and people on the right is this. People on the left think they can change reality to fit their desires, where people on the right generally think that we need to change our desires to fit reality. It might be well intended that you want to change reality to fit your desires, but ultimately it's a fool's errand. You can't change your biology. You can mutilate your body, but you can't change your biology. So despite the fact that people think they can make a sex change operation and actually go from man to woman or woman to man, it's really impossible biologically. And by the way, even the prominent atheist Richard Dawkins understands this. In fact, I think I may have said this on the podcast here recently. I think Richard Dawkins has more courage than most pastors because Richard Dawkins has come out and said, hey, sorry, there's only two genders. It's science. And he's right. There are only two genders. You can't just make up your own gender in your mind and expect your biology to follow. Your biology is what it is. Now, I know people are trying to make a difference between or draw a distinction between biology and gender, they try and say, well, your biology is what it is, but your gender can be whatever you think about. Yeah, the problem is when it push comes to shove, they want all of society to ignore biology and just to cater to whatever the person thinks they are. Well, just because someone is suffering from a mental delusion, that doesn't mean the rest of society needs to be reoriented in order to accommodate that delusion. No, the other way around. The person needs psychiatric help. The person does not need surgery. Also, the fourth flaw in transgender ideology, they try and say sex is assigned at birth. Look, do I even need to say this? Everybody knows that sex is not assigned at birth. Sex is discovered at birth, and sometimes much earlier. When you get a, a test, you can... You can Obviously, do draw blood and determine or discover, I should say, what the sex of the baby is long before the baby comes through the birth canal. Sex is not assigned at birth. It's discovered at birth. When somebody brings forth, when a doctor delivers a new baby, the doctor just doesn't invent the, the gender of the child. He or she just looks at the child and goes, okay, it's a boy or a girl. It's not like they're randomly saying, well, let's just say this boy is really a girl. We'll assign that. No, sex is not assigned at birth. Sex is discovered at birth and sometimes even before. And finally, I know this is going to come as a shock to some, but the fifth flaw in transgender ideology, and again, this is all in the book, Correct, Not Politically Correct, 
is that there is no basis for transgender rights. Do you realize that, well, it seems like we're, we're inventing new rights in America about every 10 minutes. But ladies and gentlemen, where do rights come from? They can't come from government because a right is something you have regardless of what anyone else says about it, including your government. I mean, if rights came from government, that would mean if a government changed and changed their laws, you would no longer have a right. Well, by definition, a right is something you have regardless of what anyone else says about it. It's not a preference. It's a right. It's a right. And as our Declaration of Independence says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men were created and endowed by their government. No, it doesn't say that. Endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that governments are instituted among men to secure these rights. And Jefferson went on to say that when a government no longer secures the God-given rights of, the citizen, of their citizens, then the citizens have a right to a new government. And that's, of course, what the Declaration of Independence was all about. So rights come from God. They don't come from other people, and they don't come from governments. Governments are there to recognize rights and protect rights or secure rights, as our Declaration says, but not to give rights. In fact, in the book, Correct Not Politically Correct, we have an entire uh, essay on this called On the Wrong Side of History. So if you get the book, we'll go into more detail on where rights come from. Now, here's the question. What evidence do we have that God wants anyone to amputate perfectly healthy sex organs? There's none from natural law. There's no evidence from natural law. There's no evidence from the Bible. There's no evidence from any other supposed major revelation, whether it's the Quran, the Bhagavad Gita, or any. Pick any religion, any historic religion or religion that's been around a long time. They're never going to say it's perfect. It's, it's right to, to amputate perfectly healthy sex organs. And yet there are people today claiming it's a right. You know, people can demand that their government legislate or declare certain behaviors as rights, but that doesn't make them rights any more than a government can legislate that a biological man is a woman. That doesn't make them a woman. Instead of trying to, trying to change reality to fit our thoughts, we should try to change our thoughts to fit reality. That's what we ought to be doing. But the problem is a person's spirit is determined by how much truth that person can tolerate. Sometimes people don't want to tolerate truth. They want to suppress the truth. They want to call you a transphobe. They want to call you a bigot. What do you do when they do that? We're going to get to it right after the break. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with me, Frank Turk, on the American Family Radio Network, back in just two minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, what do you say when your child comes to you or a friend comes to you and says, I'm trans? What do you say? We're going to get into it in just a minute. Before I do, I want to mention I'm going to be at uh, this weekend, I'm going to be in Old Bridge, New Jersey at Calvary Chapel, Old Bridge. Uh, there's a Saturday night service and then Sunday morning services. And then Sunday night, we'll be going through I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist and taking your questions. A lot of questions uh, will come on Sunday night. So Calvary Chapel, Old Bridge from my old stomping grounds, New Jersey. Forget about it. And then a little bit later, uh, later that week, I'll be in Nashville, Tennessee with my friend Charlie Kirk at the Pastor Summit. That's May 23rd and 24th. 
I will be moderating a panel of pastors on the 24th. If you're a pastor or someone that just is interested in supporting your pastor, you may want to come to the TPUSA Faith Event, the Pastors Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. Then in June, right here in Charlotte, North Carolina, I'll be at Central Church of God every Wednesday night. We're going to go through the evidence that Christianity is true. We're going to do it over four or five Wednesday nights. You can uh, go to our website, crossexamine.org. Central Church of God is a great church right in the middle of uh, the southern side of Charlotte, but uh, it's uh, got a great pastor and just an unbelievable music team as well. Anyway, we'll be there on Wednesday nights. Also want to mention on June 10th and 11th, I'll be at Cascades Hills Church in Columbus, Georgia uh, for the Bulldogs down there. So check all that out. And I want to mention as well, CIA is coming up, the Cross-Examined Instructor Academy. If you want to learn how to present apologetics and improve your skills and improve your questioning, answering, and presentation skills, you need to come to CIA. We're almost out of seats. There's only a few left. Go to crossexamine.org. Click on events. You'll see CIA there. It's going to be in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We've got a great lineup of instructors. You're going to love being there. We have people that have come back three, four, five, six times to CIA. They get so much out of it. So check all that out on our website. Okay, what do you say when your kid comes home? Let's just talk about you're a parent. And your kid comes home and says, Mom, Dad, I'm trans. Okay, number one, don't freak out. Pray. Remain calm. You have to be a source of strength. If you freak out when your kid comes to you with something that's upsetting to you, is that kid ever going to come back to you when something they know is going to upset you? Uh, uh, comes up again no they're gonna they're gonna shy away my wife was always good at talking about some of the most sensitive issues uh with our kids when they came to her or when they came to me but a lot of times they'd go to her and say hey what about this what about that and she would just be calmly say well here's what that means here's what this means whether it's sex whether it's drugs whether it's uh pornography whether you just talk about it normally you have to be a source of strength you also have to understand that what's going on with regard to transgenderism in our culture is largely a social contagion. And I document this in the new book, Correct Not Politically Correct. I'm holding it in my hands right now. I just got the, the first copy myself today. And uh, this came out on May 16th. And if Amazon has run out already, by the way, so if you can't get it on Amazon, you can get it by going to crossexamine.org, clicking on store, you'll see it there. And it's cheaper uh, from us than on Amazon. In any event, uh, you realize it's a social contagion and it might be a cry for acceptance and attention that your, 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 your kid might be actually, uh, that might be motivating your child. They want to be accepted and they want attention. In fact, Look, when you're a kid, I was a kid at one point. Do you remember when you were a former child? Yeah, you do. What did you want to do when you were a teenager? You just wanted to fit in, right? And what's the easiest way of fitting in in today's culture? Well, just claim you're trans. Everyone's going to applaud you. Anybody that says, don't do it, you're going to hurt yourself, is going to be shouted down as a bigot or a homophobe. Now, when someone calls you a name like that, what should you say? What do you mean by bigot? What do you mean by homophobe? What do you mean by transphobe? What do you mean by that? As soon as they try and define it, they're going to be in trouble. Well, you're a phobe because you don't agree with transgender ideology. Well, you don't agree with my ideology. Does that make you a Christian phobe? Or does that make you a natural law phobe? I mean, why are we calling people names? Why don't we have a discussion about the merits of the issue? 
rather than calling people names. Why? Because it's easier to call people names. It's easier to characterize and marginalize. It's easier to just try and throw mud at people rather than deal with their arguments. It's in logic, this is called an ad hominem attack. In other words, you're attacking the person, not the argument. Why don't we stay on the issues rather than calling each other names? Okay? So don't freak out, number one. Number two, my first pastor used to say this, and I think it was brilliant. He would say to his kids, there's nothing you can do that will make me stop loving you. There's nothing you can do that will make me stop loving you. Now, we've said a thousand times on this program that love does not mean approval. Love does not mean approving what somebody else wants to do necessarily. And every parent knows this, and every former child knows this. If your parents approved of everything you wanted to do when you were 14, would they have been loving parents? No. Parents have to stand in the way of evil. And Paul even talks about this when he defines what love is. He says, love always protects. Love does not rejoice in the truth. Love does not, or love rejoices in the truth. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Love always perseveres. That's the passage that everyone reads at their wedding, but nobody obeys. 1 Corinthians 13. Yes, so... The way forward is to approve your child, but not the behavior. It does not mean approval. And let's just use some examples here on how you would not approve your child's behavior in parallel situations. For example, if your daughter thought she was a mermaid, would you take her off the coast and drop her in the ocean? No, of course you wouldn't. If she thought she was overweight but was really anorexic, would you take her for liposuction? No, of course you wouldn't. If she thought she was disabled, would you grant her request to have her limbs cut off? You know, there are people who are doing that now. In their minds, they think they're disabled and they want to get rid of perfectly healthy limbs. No, you would never do that. You would never drop your child off in the middle of an ocean if she thought she was a mermaid. You would never get your child who's anorexic liposuction. You would never chop off an arm or a leg because your child mistakenly thought that they were disabled. Yet, why would we do that when it comes to their sexual organs? Look, you don't treat mental delusions with surgery. You treat them with prayer, with counseling, with questions. So here are some questions that you can ask your child or even a friend when they come to you and say, I'm trans. You say, first of all, what do you mean you're trans? Secondly, how did you come to that conclusion? Thirdly, what happened that made you feel this way? Because Walt Heyer, who tried to, was a man, tried to live as a transgender woman for eight years and did live that way and then became a Christian, detransitioned and started the ministry known as sexchangeregret.com, sexchangeregret.com, a lot of good data up on Walt's website. He says that in the thousands of people he's counseled who are trying to detransition or trying to say this was the wrong move, he always asks them, what made you feel that you were, say, a man trapped in a woman's body or a woman trapped in a man's body. What made you, excuse me, excuse me, what made you feel this way? And he says, nearly always, there was always an event. There was always some sexual abuse or some traumatic 
event that occurred in their lives. In fact, as I document in the new book, Correct Not Politically Correct, the the primary reason people claim to be trans is childhood trauma of some kind. That that appears to be the, the trigger that does it. For example, if a boy wants to become a girl, sometimes it's because he was sexually abused and he wants to rid himself of the organ that was sexually abused. So you can see the psychology behind it. So always ask, what happened that made you feel this way? Then you can ask, do feelings always tell you the truth? Because I know my feelings don't always tell me the truth. Feelings can be deceiving. And feelings come and feelings go. In fact, from a Christian perspective, I think it was Martin Luther who had a a saying that went like this. Feelings come and feelings go. And feelings aren't worth believing. My warrant is the word. Oh, no, he said, let me get it right. I'm, I'm doing this from memory. He said, feelings come and feelings go, and feelings can be deceiving. My warrant is the word of God. Naught else is worth believing. Yes, feelings can be deceiving. I have a whole presentation pointing out why you ought not follow your heart without moral restraint. Because your feelings change. They not only change, can, can change over long periods of time, they can change over short periods of time. In fact, when you ask your son or daughter, do feelings ever change? That's the next question. You might say, well, yours have, because last month you didn't claim to be trans. Your feelings have changed, or there was a point when you never claimed to be trans. So your feelings have already changed. Do you think they may change again? In fact, if you think about this, ladies and gentlemen, puberty is just one long transition from childhood to adulthood. In fact, we might want to say to our children, it's normal to feel odd when you're going through puberty. It's normal to feel odd because that's what puberty is. It's one big, long transition. And then you might ask, after you ask, do feelings ever change? Because yours obviously have. Do you think they might change again? You can ask, have you ever considered that about 80% of people your age who have these feelings grow out of them by the time they hit 18? 80% or so grow out of it. So why would we ever prescribe to children cross-sex hormones or surgery when the problem is going to be fixed on its own by 18 in all likelihood? In fact, if you uh, look at the data, again, it's in the book, Correct, Not Politically Correct. If you look at the data, 63% of people claiming to be trans have a prior history or a prior case of some sort of mental disorder. This is a mental disorder that needs to be treated with psychiatry, not with surgery or cross-sex hormones. In other words, it's not claiming to be trans that makes someone have a mental issue. It's someone who has a mental issue and then that precipitates them in claiming to be trans. Now there are much or many more questions we'll get to that you can ask. 
right after the break. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with me, Frank Turek. The new book is called Correct Not Politically Correct about same-sex marriage and transgenderism. It just came out this week. Check it out at Amazon or go to crossexamine.org and click on store. You'll see it there. Back in two. You're back listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with me, Frank Turek, on the American Family Radio Network. So if you're low on the FM dial looking for national public radio, I guarantee you, you will never hear this on NPR. Just go no further. We're talking about questions you can ask your child or friend who claims to be trans. And so far, we've pointed out that there are several questions you ought to ask. You ought to become when you're doing this. Because you want to help the other person. You're not there to condemn them. You're there to help them. So try and help them think through this. And we said just before the break, you might want to say, have you ever considered that 80% of people your age who have these feelings grow out of them by the time they're 18? Then another question, and this is one that is never asked, that you should ask anybody that is considering cross-sex hormones or surgery, you might ask, How much have you read about the long-term effects of trying to transition? You know what the answer is going to be? Probably nothing. I haven't read anything. Because the media is not going to tell you the truth. In fact, the media really doesn't even know what the truth is in many cases. In fact, uh, there is a, a woman that tried to become a man in the book, or I record this in the book, Correct, Not Politically Correct, and she says this. This is a quote from the book. The happy, lighthearted salesmanship of medical transition and its blunt reality don't match up. Doctors and medical transition proponents don't prepare you for the transition-related post-traumatic stress disorders. They don't mention post-traumatic stress disorders or any of the multiple hardships because it is considered transphobic. I want to tell my story so that others can hear what the medical industry is too afraid to say out loud, that gender transition surgery is not the magical solution that doctors, the media, and the culture describe. In fact, she says this, During my own transition, I had seven surgeries. I also had a massive pulmonary embolism, a helicopter flight ride, an emergency ambulance ride, a stress-induced heart attack, sepsis, a 17th-month recurring infection due to using the wrong skin during a failed phalloplasty. I'm not pronouncing that right, but trying to give this woman a, a male organ. 16 rounds of antibiotics, three weeks of daily IV antibiotics, the loss of all my hair, only partially successful arm reconstructive surgery, permanent lung and heart damage, a cut bladder, insomnia-related hallucinations, oh, and frequent loss of consciousness due to pain from the hair on the inside of my urethra. All this led to a form of PTSD that made me a prisoner in my apartment for a year. Between me and my insurance company, medical expenses exceeded $900,000. Again, this is recorded in the new book, Correct, Not Politically Correct, about same-sex marriage and transgenderism. People don't look into this. And the medical industry, they don't really even know what transgender surgery is. They're making it up as they go, according to the people that have had this done to them. So ask these questions. Try and help people make good decisions 
Not decisions based on ignorance, but decisions based on the facts. Try and encourage people not to suppress the truth. Remember, a person's spirit is determined by how much truth that person can tolerate. People are trying to suppress the truth to go their own way. They're ultimately going to smack up against reality and it's going to hurt. Oh, you can deny reality, but you can't avoid the consequences of denying reality. Now, here's another question you might ask, especially if you're a Christian and you're talking to a a Christian person or maybe even a non-Christian person. You might ask this, if Jesus, who sacrificed himself for you, wanted you to live according to the biology he gave you, would you obey him? Because you know what? The answer might be no. It's, it's a variation of the question, if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? Many times the answer is no. They're not on a truth quest, they're on a happiness quest. And they think going down this road is going to make them happy. The data show that's not going to be the case on average. The suicide rate of people that have the surgery is 19 times higher than the general public. These are people that have the surgery. Yes, there's a honeymoon period. After the surgery, they feel a little bit better if the surgeries go well. A lot of times they don't, as I've already mentioned. But about 10 years later, there's just a skyrocketing suicide rate. And we document, again, this in the book, Correct, Not Politically Correct. So, You might also point out that ancient wisdom says this, and I think this is the second most important verse in the Bible for our culture. The most important verse, of course, has to do with the scriptures. uh, Sorry, has to do, of course, with the gospel. But the second most important verse comes from Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. Above all else. doesn't say follow your heart. It says guard your heart. Because everything you do flows from it. Look, your heart is deceitful. Your heart will tell you it wants something when it's not the best thing for you. Your heart is also conflicting. I mean, mean, just think about some general things that you might want. You might want that shiny new car, right? Yeah, but the other heart in you says, no, I don't want the debt. I don't want to be struggling to pay for this thing every every month. Uh, You might... See someone that you really like, but you're already married. You got two hearts. Uh, you might uh, want to have kids on one hand. On the other hand, you're going up. Oh, kids are a problem. You might want to, if you're not married, you might want to play the field. On the other hand, you know, you might want to settle down with one person. Which heart are you going to follow? Which heart? You got to make a decision. You can't play both hearts. You can't follow both hearts you got to make a decision. Look, I don't know about you, but when I got married, it really put a big damper on my dating life, okay? You had to follow one heart or the other. You might want to be in shape. On the other hand, you see, I like that box of donuts over there. Wow. Which heart are you going to follow? You can't just blindly follow your heart. Your heart's conflicting. Your heart's deceitful. And also, your heart's changing. Your heart changes all the time. I mean, just think back on your life. Tim Keller makes this point where he says, look, when you're 15, you probably look back at your 10-year-old self and go, yeah, when I was 10, I was an idiot. 
And then when you hit 20, you probably look back at your 15-year-old self and you go, I didn't have it all together when I was 15. I was kind of an idiot. Then when you hit 30, you look back on your 20-year-old self and you go, I didn't have it all together when I was 20. I was kind of an idiot, idiot back then. You know what this means? According to Keller, no matter how old you are now, you're an idiot. Why? Because you're always going to look back when you get older and go, I didn't have it all together back then. Now, this slows down when you get older. Now I'm 61. I didn't look back at my 51-year-old self and go, I was an idiot back then. Hopefully, I had a good direction by the time I was 51. But especially when you're young, things change so quickly. You're transitioning through puberty. You have different interests, different likes, different desires, different hearts. They're conflicting. Kids go through phases. Even Bill Maher understands this. Bill Maher had a great segment about a year ago called Along for the Pride, where he pointed out how the the more recent generations claim they're LGBTQ at four or five times the rate as, say, the baby boomers. And he shows this graph and he goes, if this trend continues, we'll all be gay by 2060. He's just pointing out this is a social contagion. And he says, look, kids go through phases. He said, if eight-year-olds... Or if everyone knew what they wanted to be when they were eight, the world would be filled with cowboys and princesses. But it's not. Why? Because hearts change. People grow up. People go through phases. He said, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a pirate. Thank God nobody took me seriously and took me for eye removal and peg leg surgery. Exactly. (laughs) Right? Can we be adults here, ladies and gentlemen? Whatever you think about adult surgery for changing one's so-called gender. Can we all agree this is not the right road for children? In fact, I think it was Tennessee that just passed a law that said you can't do this before you're 26. Why? Because the data shows that it takes you to at least 25 to have your brain fully developed. After that, okay, you want it, you're an adult, go do what you want to do. But we should not be forcing this on children. And tragically, the Biden administration wants to affirm or wants to force parents to affirm their children if they have gender dysphoria, what they call gender-affirming care. I've mentioned this on the program before. I'm not making it up. You can go back to March 31st, 2022, and they basically say, look, if you don't give your child, as young as three, gender-affirming care, we may come to your house and take your child away. This is is madness. And Christians, and even non-Christians, need to stand up and say, sorry, this is madness. All right, one other thing, ladies and gentlemen, that you can do. You need to restrict your child from social media. And let me tell you why, if your child is struggling with this, because this is probably a social contagion. I have a lady that I know, I may have mentioned this before, but let me say it again. A lady that I know who works at Starbucks, not for the money, but for the ministry. She's nearly 70. And everybody loves her. She's just a wonderful person. And she has some people in her Starbucks that are trying to transition. And you know what they do on their break? They sit in the back of Starbucks going through TikTok video after TikTok video, affirming videos that try and say transitioning is the right thing to do. They have to keep getting constant affirmation on their phones so they can go down this road when in reality the facts say don't go down this road. They need affirmation to do this because deep in their hearts, they go, no, this can't work. This, 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 I can't change my biology. It's a fool's errand to do so, yet people are claiming that they can and they're being affirmed. You need to shield your young person from this kind of thing. 
They're in an echo chamber that's taking them down the wrong road. And by the way, why think you're, say, a woman trapped in a man's body? Why not rather think that you're a man enclosed in a woman's mind or enclosing a woman's mind? Why not look at it that way? Because then you wouldn't have to change your body. You could just change your mind. And you can change your mind. Anyway, I'm running out of time. I'll pick this up on the Tuesday midweek podcast. For now, ladies and gentlemen, pick up a copy of the new book, Correct Not Politically Correct, by yours truly, Frank Turek. Just came out this week. I hope it's helpful to you. And I'll see you here on the midweek podcast on Tuesday, the I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist podcast. Lord willing, I'll see you there. God bless.